Well, good morning, Chapel Rock. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're going to be a part of this sermon series again today. We've had the privilege uh, to get into the Word in this series, uh, taking a little bit of a look at, from a sports background, about uh, being the away team. Uh, we, we shared with you the first week that uh, we're no longer the home team in our culture, that we are the visiting team, and uh, we have a responsibility to represent Jesus in this world and in this culture. Last week we talked a little bit about, Casey did, about you know, having a deep bench and having people who will step up and serve. And then, of course, <clears throat> today I want to talk to you about playing hurt and what it means to play hurt in the kingdom of God. And so we're going to deal with that from a passage about uh, the Apostle Paul and what he said about having a thorn in the flesh and what that means. And so we're going to do that today. But before we do that, before we jump in, I want to pray with you. Our Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of being here. The privilege, Father, of being in your presence. The privilege of fellowship. The privilege of worship through song and communion, giving. Father, the worship through prayer. Father, just so many things that come into play here this morning. And now, Father, I pray that we will worship through your word. And I pray, God, that what you have to say to us will be clear. Pray that uh, we will hear what we need to hear and see what we need to see. And then apply your word to our lives. So thank you, Lord, for giving us this privilege, this opportunity. We're thankful most of all for Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. Playing hurt down through the ages, it's happened many times for various different athletes in various different sports. There are guys who've been injured and played through the injury. There have been others who have been injured and could not play. And yet there are those who took on a significant injury and then continued to play and came out on top. I want to give you some examples of that from the sports world. First one I want to show you is Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott played for the San Francisco 49ers, defensive back, hard hitter, great athlete, that kind of thing. Late in the 1985 season, during a regular season game, he crushed the end of his pinky finger. Between helmets, somehow it happened. After the game, the doctors looked at it and said, you got an option here. We can do surgery right away, put a pin in it. You'll be in a cast. You'll have to deal with that for about six weeks. Then we'll work on it. That means your season's over. Or, because we're going to the playoffs, the other option is this. We can take it off. And then we can wrap it, and you can play hurt. Ronnie Lott told him, take it off. So if you see in the picture, his pinky finger was taken off at the joint. They wrapped it up, gave him a little bit of pain medication. He played the rest of the regular season and the playoffs with that finger amputated. That's what you call playing hurt. Then there's this guy, Kurt Schilling, 2004 ALCS, the American League Championship Series. He's pitching for the Boston Red Sox. He's had trouble with his ankle at the end of the season. Finally, the doctors say, you know what? It's not doing well. Uh, in order for you to pitch, we're going to have to do something. So they sutured his tendons to his tissue in his ankle. So it would stabilize, and he was up to pitch a very important game, game six, 
in Yankee Stadium against the Yankees, 2004. Kurt Schilling pitched that game after being sutured together. He went six innings, gave up one run, dominated the game. They win. They beat the Yankees and move on to the World Series. He bled the whole time. That's what that is on his sock right above the shoe on his right ankle. That's what you call playing hurt. Or Tiger Woods. 2008, he's having a problem with the knee. He has a torn ACL. He has orthopedic procedure done to it. He begins to rehab it. He's wanting to get to the 2008 U.S. Open and play, and yet during rehab, he gets a stress fracture, a crack in the bone in his leg. The trainer said, probably not a good idea. Tiger said, I'm going to play anyway. He played four rounds. It was tied into four rounds. He played playoff rounds, 91 holes in all. He wins the 2008 U.S. Open with a broken leg and a torn ACL. That's what you call playing hurt. Then this guy on the left, Michael Jordan. 1997 playoffs, playing against the Utah Jazz. They have a chance to win their fifth, fifth NBA championship with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. He's getting sick. And that day in the hotel, they said he was so sick, he could not get out of bed. He was nauseous. He was feverish. He had all kinds of things going on. The team doctor said, not a good idea. He better just lay low. He did all day long. They gave him hydration. He lost it. They gave him hydration. He lost it. And then at 5.50, at 10 till 6 that evening, Michael Jordan crawled out of bed, had the trainers take him to the locker room. They hydrated him. He put on his uniform, walked out on the court without him warming up. 7 o'clock, he starts the game, and he plays all four quarters. He scores 15 points in the final quarter, 38 points that evening, and they win their fifth NBA championship. All with the flu. It's become known as the flu game, you know, around the NBA. That's what you call playing hurt. Or this guy, Brett Favre, when he was in college, he played at Southern Mississippi uh, university and uh, not a real big university but he was a good quarterback and uh, toward the end of the 1990 season he was in a car accident and he was a starting quarterback but um, after the car accident they had to remove 30 inches of his intestines in order for him to recover they um, they told him that probably that was the end of the season he said I don't think so uh, five weeks later he starts for the University of Southern Mississippi, a quarterback against the University of Alabama, and beats them. That's what you call playing hurt. Now, you got to be about my age to like this guy or know him even, Jack Youngblood. Jack Youngblood was a defensive end in the NFL, played for the Los Angeles Rams in those days, and he was what they called a throwback. I mean, he played hurt all the time. And toward the end of the uh, 1979 season, uh, he got to the latter part of the stages of his season, and they were winning, headed toward the playoffs, and he didn't want to stop, but he broke his leg in a game. And they said, you're going to have to get this fixed. He said, we're going to the playoffs. He played the rest of the season, played all the playoffs, and played in the Pro Bowl at the, end of, at the beginning of February, all on a broken leg, and then decided to have it fixed after that Pro Bowl. That's what you call playing hurt. Now, 
Let me ask you a question. Do you think God ever expects us, while we're on his team, to play hurt? And the answer to that, biblically, is yes. You can find many, many examples of that in Scripture, of people who were leaders in the kingdom of God, people who were servants in the kingdom of God, who were hurt either socially or mentally or physically or spiritually. And they stepped up, and God took care of them, and they played hurt. God would expect that same thing from us. If you have your Bibles today or your devices, your phones, I want you to open your Bibles, and I want you to go to 2 Corinthians in the 12th chapter. And this is a passage you've probably heard talked about before. You've really never paid attention to it in this way. But, uh, but we want to read that here today. And then we're going to, we're going to take two takeaways out of this text and uh, share them with you. Beginning in verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, the Bible reads like this. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations... There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul says, when I am weak, when I got nothing left, when I'm dealing with stuff in my life that is just a mess, that's when God is strong. Okay? Two takeaways from this text. Two things you need to understand about playing hurt in the kingdom of God. Number one is simply this. It simply says that God will humble us. God will humble us. God knows how to balance our lives. He brings a lot of blessings into our lives, and then you know what? He also allows some burdens. And the balance between blessing and burden is where we learn godly character. It's where God builds us up. We go from big wins to tragic losses. We go from really great blessings to really tough times. And the question is, how do we play hurt? How do we take those and put them to use in our lives? You see, I believe that God uses those things that when we are going through those difficult times, whether they're spiritually or physically or emotionally, maybe sometimes mentally, I believe God has a reason for allowing those burdens to be in our lives because it builds character. In fact, I believe that our suffering helps us to build godly character in our lives. I believe God does that. I believe God takes the difficult times and uses them to our advantage. I think God uses those in a perfect way. There are a couple of passages I want you to here, I want you to see on the screen, Romans, the fifth chapter, the first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, 
but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does that say? simply says that we grow, we build character when we go through the difficult times in life, and God is there for us. You also have 1 Corinthians 9, a passage that we're all familiar with. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Interesting that God would use this illustration of running and persevering and winning the race in order for us to understand that sometimes we have to deal with difficulties in our lives. Did you know that early on in the Olympic Games, when they had the first long-distance running, the marathon, you know, uh, those runners who competed in the early Greek Games, they every day trained with what was called a weighted vest. And it was made of either leather or animal skins or something of that nature, and rocks, and heavy metal and other things were placed in the vest and they would tie it on their upper body and then they would take uh, weights, uh, either metal or rocks, and they would put them in sleeves and tie them around their lower legs and every day they would run. Every day they'd run and they would never take those weights off. They didn't take them off for anything. Every day they trained with those weights on. Every day those weights were weighing them down. They were burden to them. But then on the day of the race, in the Greek Olympic Games, all those runners would step up toward the starting line and when they would lay aside those weights. They'd strip them off. They would take them off. Why? Because they were freed up to run. They got rid of the burdens, and they were able to run their race the way God wanted them to run that race. They ran that race, and that's the way we need to run our race, is the way God wants us to run our race. Now, sometimes we get caught up in the burden, don't we? Sometimes we let that difficult situation in our life take over. Could be physical. Could be... um, Mental, could be spiritual, it it could be um, even social, how we deal with others. And we're burdened by that, and we deal with it every day. And you know what? Sometimes those burdens that God allows to come into our lives, sometimes they're constant. We deal with them every single day, or they're reoccurring. They come back after a while, or we get better at it, and God delivers us, and we move on, and then it comes back again, and we struggle with that. That could be a temptation. That could be something that we battle every time we turn around. Whether it's constant or recurring, God says, now you need to understand something. 
you need to understand something, you need to lay aside that burden. You, you need to lay it aside. You need to give it up. You need to take it off and relinquish it to me. In fact, in the text, if you read it there, it, Paul was saying, sometimes I got too big for my britches. <laughs> right? The first statement, so I wouldn't become conceited, he says. Because if I have all this success, <laughs> God gives me a burden. A thorn in the flesh. Did you notice? Did you notice that 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 that's, that burden uh, in First Corinthians nine? That that word there in the American Standard Version and in the Old King James Version is the word buffet. That 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 word buffet means to strike the body or or to cause a wound to create pain in, in your life. Now, in the old American Standard Version, I remember every once in a while, somebody would be reading through that text, and they'd say, and therefore I buffet, buffet? Do I buffet my body? You know? And I'd go, no, 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 it's buffet. When you buffet your body, you're going to have all kinds of physical problems if you buffet your body every day, okay? You're going to have problems with that. But to buffet means that there's pain. You see, sometimes we don't like the pain, do we? We don't like to deal with burdens. We don't like to deal with stuff. And yet God says, you know, it's there to balance out your life. It's there for you to grow in character. It's there for you to get stronger in how you live life. It's there for you to get better at what you do. It's there for you to have a part of your story that you can identify with other people. And I'll help you get through it. And that's what God tells us. I ran across this a while back. It just simply is talking about how God works in our lives, and He gives seven ways He works in our lives to help us deal with the burdens. It says, number one, by meeting our needs when we are helpless, He teaches us trust. By making us wait for what we need or what we want, He teaches us patience. By stretching us beyond the realm of the familiar, he teaches us vision. By taking us through the consequences of wrong choices, he teaches us values. By allowing us to fail and make terrible mistakes, he teaches us wisdom. By sustaining pain and affliction, he teaches us humility. And by involving us in the lives of difficult people, he teaches us to be unselfish. You see, there are a lot of reasons that we have those burdens in life, and yet God says, I'm going to use all of those to build your character, to make you a better person, to make you what I want you to be. And that's why God will humble us. But here's the good news in verses 9 and 10 tells us God will help us. That's the second takeaway. You don't have to do it on your own. God will help us. Did you notice that last phrase where it says that, that when I am weak, that's us, right? We're weak. Then he is strong. That's God. When I am weak, he is strong. And when I am weak, his strength shows up in me. When I'm surrendered to him, he makes me better than what I've been. Did you notice in the passage it says, and my grace is sufficient for you. Not only is it sufficient, but it's strengthening, right? 
Because if I'm weak and He's strong, then His grace is not only sufficient, but it strengthens me for the task ahead. I have to understand that, that when I go through life, there are going to be those difficult times. How, how many of you have ever gone through a difficult time? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever gone through more than one difficult time? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you go through difficult times all the time? Okay. All right. Right? We've all been there. Doesn't mean, you, you know, you can look around. You, it's always possible to look around and say, man, I'd like to be them. They don't have any problems. You ever said that before? I can guarantee you they got problems. They may not be as big as yours, but they got problems. And we need to deal with those. We need to overcome those. And the only way we do that is through Jesus Christ. Now notice, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first three verses, you find these words. If we can get to there we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Remember what I told you about the runner. They get rid of the weights right before the race. So we're supposed to do the same thing. Get rid of the things that entangle us. Get rid of the sin that drags us down. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hmm. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Keep running. Keep playing. Stay in the game. You don't need to quit. You don't need to stop running. When things get a little bit difficult, things get a little bit hard, that's okay because that's part of us growing in our faith. Trust in God. Put your faith in Him. Three scriptures, real quick, I want you to see on the screen. Here we go. And the God of all grace, who called you to be His, called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Next one. And let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the next one. But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. What word showed up in all three of those scriptures? Grace. God's grace is sufficient for you. It strengthens you, and it's sufficient for you. And you don't really need anything else in your life to help you get through the difficult times. Yes, they're going to be there. That helps to balance you and build your character. And let me say this. Hear this, please. God's more concerned about your character than He is about your comfort. He's more concerned about how you're going to grow up in faith than about your comfort. And sometimes we'd like to substitute things, right? Yeah, God, please take this away from me. I, I can't do this anymore. Please take this out of my life. Please take this person out of my life. Please make this right. Please do this. Substitutions, right? That doesn't help you grow. You grow when you're transformed by the adversity in your life. You grow through adversity. 
God's more concerned about your character than He is about your comfort. And once you find Him and you put your faith in Him, then His comfort comes. Years ago, I ran across this uh, little reading. Um, I can't even remember to tell you the first time I ever re uh, read it or ran across it. More recently, I, I read it in Tim Hansel's book uh, entitled, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty, because that's me. When I relax, I feel guilty. And, um, and so I read through that book, and it was in that book again, and I read it again, and I, and I thought, you know what, that, that fits for us today. It's written by a Confederate soldier after the Civil War passed down through the years. And it reads like this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. And I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. And I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. And I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am, uh, I am among all men most richly blessed. So what do you pray for? You pray that you won't be hurt? You pray you won't have to play hurt? You pray that you won't have any spiritual problems, or you won't have any things that knock you down in life, that you won't have any emotional issues or physical issues? You pray for that. It's okay to pray for healing. But you just remember, God sometimes gives you the burden in order for you to see the blessing. Okay. It was July 4th, 1939. And Lou Gehrig stood before a packed stadium. A microphone there. Had a sterling baseball career, one of the best known Major League Baseball players of his time, and still to this day. He stood there after only 13 years of playing baseball, making a living, playing a game he loved as a kid. And he had just been diagnosed with a disease we call ALS. They now call it Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a disease that takes away your muscle function. It's a disease that, that depletes your legs and your arms, and you can't walk, you can't run, you can't, can't move your arms hardly eventually, and then eventually it takes away your ability to breathe. And you pass away. You die. And Lou Gehrig stood there that day in front of that stadium, packed with people, stepping away from baseball. And he said this, Today, I stand before you as the luckiest man on the face of this earth. What? He'd just been diagnosed with a death sentence. He'd just been given a burden that, that no one would ever want. And then he stood there and said, I'm the luckiest man 
on the face of the earth. Do we say that? When we're on God's team, knowing He gives us the help, and we have a burden. I'm the luckiest guy. Because I'm dealing with a burden that I'm not very good with, and yet God is. And He's my Lord. Do we say that? Do we practice that? Do we say, Lord, I'm willing to play hurt because I know you'll make me a better person? Lord, I'm willing to do what you want me to do because I know these burdens are tough. I'll do that, Lord, as long as you do it with me. For when I am weak, then you are strong. Do we say that? You see, sometimes God calls us to play hurt. And when you play hurt, He's the one that carries you to the win. Maybe you're not a part of God's team yet. Maybe you haven't made that decision to give your life to Christ. Maybe you haven't decided that Jesus is the way to go, and so you're trying to get through life on your own, deal with all the issues, deal with all the burdens, and you can't find blessing, and you wonder why life is tough. I'm not telling you if you come to Jesus, it's all going to be great. I'm just telling you, when you join his team, you can handle it because of him. Or maybe today, maybe you are a believer, but you're going through a rough time. And you got, you got a burden, and you're really battling that, and it's really bothering you, and, and you really need help. You need for God to show up. You need for God to be your strength because you are weak right now. Why don't you come on down during decision time and, and we got people who can pray with you. we got people who can voice that prayer and offer it to God and ask Him to come into your life and bless you. I don't know what you need to do today, but I know what God wants you to do. He wants you to come to Him so that He can be your strength and He can put you on the roster and let you be on the team. And when you go through life, you know you're going to win. Will you do that today? It's decision time at Chapel Rock. I'm going to pray here in just a moment, then we're going to sing. And as we sing, I want you to come down front if you have a decision to make. And as you do, we'll be here to greet you. Okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for being our strength, our strong tower. We can run into you, Father. We don't need to be afraid of anything. And the burdens of life we know are going to be there. In fact, sometimes they're there every day, Lord but sometimes they just pop up. And so, Lord, whatever it is in our life that we need to get beyond, whatever it is that's hurting our playing ability, Father, help us to lean on you to find the strength and the courage and the perseverance and the grace that will allow us to move forward in life. I pray, Father, for those who need to make decisions, I pray that they will be moved by your Spirit, that they'll respond to your invitation today. <clears throat> Father, I just pray all this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Why don't you stand? Why don't you sing with us today? And as we sing, if you have a decision to make, come on down front.